listeners, welcome to the NK News Podcast. I'm your host, Jacko Zwetslut, and today is Monday, March 8th, 2021. And joining me via Zoom is Professor Jor Namhan to discuss medical care in North Korea with a special focus on diabetes. But first, please leave a review about this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you use, and please share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and even enemies. Second, please check out NK News, where you can find out all the in-depth stories written by excellent journalists who are colleagues of mine. Consider buying a subscription for a year. It's more affordable than you think. In fact, if you sign up for the annual plan, it's less than a dollar a day, and it helps to fund the excellent journalism that my colleagues put out every day. All right, so to introduce today's guest more fully, Professor Jor Namhan is Professor of Preventive Medicine at Aju University School of Medicine and Director of Clinical Epidemiology at Aju University Hospital. He is an internationally renowned expert on diabetes and served as the President of the International Diabetes Federation from 2018 until 2019. In this capacity, he was part of a delegation visit to the DPRK in May 2019 to evaluate North Korea's medical infrastructure regarding diabetes treatment. And today he joins us from his office at the university. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Professor Jaw. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Good morning, yeah, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, first of all, to kick it off, what do we know about the North Korean healthcare infrastructure in general? In general, it's pretty interesting. What they call it, or the concept of the, the medical care system is what, what we call this managed care which means is the general practitioners are responsible for uh, block of uh, villages or apartments or complex, whatever. I don't know the exact number, what, how, how many of the households they're responsible, but this is what they are, what we call the managed care responsible for the X numbers. The concept is pretty good, but I don't know whether it is functional or it is working because of the other infrastructures are lacking in that country. For example, a limited number of uh, specialized physicians, also limited uh, access to the medicines, also some of the high-tech evaluation machines such as the CPAP, the MRIs. I, don't, I haven't seen this kind of machines in uh, those hospitals that I visited during the May. Also combination of uh, traditional medicine and modern medicine to overcome some of these medical uh, limitations. So. Uh, and even diabetes case, they uh, applied ginseng to, uh, to treat the high uh, glucose level, and which is, of course, it's not right direction. When you say traditional medicine, do you mean what some people call oriental medicine? Exactly. Korean uh, traditional medicine it is oriental medicine. Yes. But because of the limitation of the medical access or the facilities, they put strong emphasis on preventive medicine. In other words, they wanted to take care of their uh, citizens' health before get the disease. For example, in uh, COVID-19, you know, country is completely locked down. And uh, the, the reason being, they don't have a uh, negative pressure rooms there. Mm. And then there's no, uh, the, even the uh, ECMOs, you know, they don't have those kind of machines there. So, uh, you know, they are strong and putting strong emphasis on our preventive medicine there. So this is sort of general health care but the citizens, you know, they get the free, uh, the, the medical care free of charge. What about uh, the medical training there? Are uh, doctors trained well uh, in North Korea? Do they have access to the sort of up-to-date uh, information 
and training that uh, doctors in other countries have? I don't think so. Uh, you know, the only the excess number of go out to uh, to get uh, additional training, and most countries they go to is uh, China and Russia. Mm -hmm. But uh, those people we met, they are uh, sort of being trained by their uh, the peers or the professors. But you know, their professors, uh, the training ship is not top quality. Also, they do not have. Uh, top quality hospitals to train them. So would you say, is it fair to say that North Korean medical system is, is you know, many years behind that of South Korea? I would say more than many years. And I would say decades. Decades. And, uh, yes, 20, 30 years behind. Uh, I see them as a, like uh, 70s in South Korea. Wow, okay. Uh, now, your uh, special area of focus is diabetes. Uh, and as you said, uh, in North Korea, there's a, a strong emphasis on uh, preventative medicine because of the lack of access to um, machines and, and modern healthcare. Uh, what's the best way to prevent uh, diabetes? Well, the modernized countries, you know, exercise and uh, the proper diet, uh, the habits such as uh, stop smoking and so on. But uh, North Korea's case is different. Even the malnutrition is uh, strongly related to the uh, onset of diabetes. Oh. So, yeah, I see them. I haven't seen anybody obese there. But the prevalence of diabetes in North Korea is similar to the other part of the world. Really? Which indicate, yes, they are. And which indicates the people living in, a, you know, we visited Pyongyang and people living in Pyongyang, you know, probably they are also lacking in nutrition, so mm -hmm. they are developing. It's just more of a malnutrition-related diabetes in North Korea. That's really interesting. Now, you know, often people say that uh, that North Korea is like two different countries. You've got Pyongyang and you have the rest of the country or, you know, the, the rural areas. Um, do you know about the, the prevalence of diabetes in North Korea? Is it the same across the country or is it different? You know, is it more prevalent in Pyongyang? Well, they haven't given me the data, but uh, the most recent data, which is in 19, uh, 2019, I received from the delegate was prevalence of uh, Pyongyang and then vicinities. And uh, I'm suspecting that uh, diabetes in other parts, uh, such as some of the rural areas, probably higher than Pyongyang. Oh, even higher. Okay, because of the yes. malnutrition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, but you, I think you said before that uh, exercise can be one preventative uh, thing to help stop getting diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. My understanding is that North Koreans often they are called to do physical work outside their normal workplace. For example, uh, at a farm or a construction site. Uh, that it, you would think that they're getting a lot of exercise in that way. Does that not help them to prevent getting diabetes? Yeah, so there is a difference. If uh, the exercise prevent diabetes if individuals are obese, but they are in different situation. Right. So also there's uh, organic exposure also causes diabetes. There's numerous things causing diabetes. Yeah. Immediately, I noticed that the reason being the increase of diabetes in those careers is probably malnutrition-related. And also, uh, I think that there's a, um, a high rate of male smoking in North Korea, perhaps even higher exactly. than South Korea. Exactly, yes. And that's a risk factor too, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That, uh, smoking causes uh, insulin resistance as well as uh, defects in insulin secretion. Right. Um, would you say, do North and South Korea have similar rates of diabetes? Uh, they're in the same range. 
you know, Korea, South Korea is somewhere around the 13% at this point, and North Korea is around 10%. So they are within the confidential interval, within the range. So I would say they are very similar. And those numbers, 10 and 13%, is that adding type 1 and type 2 together? Absolutely. Right. So you've got the uh, people who get it as, as who are born with it, and then people who get it as adults, and that's all together is 10% in North Korea. Right. Type 1 is more of the genetic related and the onset comes in a younger age. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, they told me they don't they do not have uh, many of those probably that related to the early uh, mortality. Oh, okay. Um, Has it changed in recent years in North Korea? I mean, do you think there's an increase to where we are now at 10 percent? Yes, I was surprised to see the figures uh, which was given to me by the delegates there. Mm -hmm. Uh, about five years ago, they informed me the prevalence of diabetes in Pyongyang was 4.6%. Oh. But when I visited 2019, that number increased to the 9.2% immediately after they conduct the survey. So it is kind of random survey. If they go into the full survey, yep. that number will definitely increase. Now that's we're, we're talking about a, a doubling in, in five years, if I understand correctly. Absolutely, absolutely. How is that possible? Well, I think it's an underestimation. They did ah. not conduct any surveys before. So, you know, based on the onset of what those individuals visiting hospital, if they can uh, accumulate that number, it comes in to 4.6%. But if you go into the community and uh, conduct a survey, you start catching those hidden cases or asymptomatic cases. You know, diabetes case after onset, it takes like uh, 10 years to be uh, to showing the symptoms. So they probably have a more number of those uh, the hidden cases in uh, villages. Uh, are there diabetic specialists and clinics in North Korea? Yes, there is a few uh, clinics, but the mainly there's one in Pyongyang, and which was uh, built by uh, the Korean living in Japan mm, in uh, early, yeah, early 1990s. And uh, they have good, good quality service there. But I have not seen uh, the other clinics, but there is another clinic, I've been told. There's another clinic, which is for the high-level uh, people. Ah, yes, because the, the elites have a separate uh, system, don't they? Correct, correct. Yeah. What about the production of insulin in North Korea? What can you tell us about that? Oh, that's saddening. Uh, oh. It's, uh, there's no insulin production in uh, North Korea. Not at all. And okay. they are definitely in need of insulin. Otherwise, people will die by diabetes. Tell us a little bit for our listeners who, who may not know, how actually is insulin produced? Well, there is a, a synthetic ones available also from the, uh, the, the dogs, the pancreas and the, the pigs and so on. So there's some kind of a human-like kind of insulin available and it is uh, manufacturing from the pharmaceutical companies. Okay, now, so you said that there's both uh, synthetic and non-synthetic uh, varieties. Yes. Uh, and non-synthetic varieties can be derived from animals like uh, pigs and dogs. Right. North Korea does have a lot of pigs, I think. Is there a reason why they're not uh, using them to produce insulin? Well, probably the technology, you know, you got to not just to have a pig, you know, you could eat to suck, suck the insulin from the pig, you have to purify them. Ah. And then you got to have uh, the medical facility to do that. Right. And so where does North those. Korea receive its insulin from? Usually uh, bringing it from China and uh, some of donations. Uh, it's 
you know, productivity is not a bad bulk. Uh, so uh, it's mainly it's coming from China. Right. And they're not good quality uh, insulins. Not good quality insulin? No, not at all. Oh. Um, has, as far as you know, has the supply of insulin from China been affected by uh, sanctions? I mean, obviously it shouldn't be, but it, sometimes it can happen. Exactly. I agree with you. you know, it shouldn't be sanctioned, but it is sanctioned. So uh, why is that? Uh, when I was, uh, well, uh, I have no idea. When I was president of uh, International Diabetes Federation, I tried to uh, solve this problem. Yes. And then I even come close to sending a bulk of the insulin from China to uh, Pyongyang, but it was uh, blocked because uh, the economic sanction. Um, have, you know, the, the UN has that, uh, uh, has a, a a, a committee that looks into sanctions waivers and things has has anybody approached that committee to to ask about you know a, a waiver for insulin well uh, you know not, now i'm an immediate past president of idf so yeah. uh, it, when i come back from uh, pyongyang i approached them i asked uh, our office in brussels to uh, writing a letter to uh, un to yep. uh, to check is whether there's a way to uh, waive the the medicines and especially insulin and diabetes related ones. But, uh, you know, after my, I left the office, I don't know where they stand now. I see. So you haven't heard any result of that. Right. Right. Um, what happens when an, a diabetes, a type two diabetes patient cannot get insulin? Is that fatal? Oh, absolutely. But it's more fatal for children's, you know, genetically type one diabetes. They right. need to inject insulin immediately. Otherwise ah. they die. Ah. Even type two diabetes, if diabetes getting worsened, they request uh, you know they need to insulin to control the glucose level. Yes. If you don't control them, definitely you'll uh, start to have a complications, which blind you, lose your kidney, cardiovascular yes. disease, all those things, and definitely relate to the early mortality. So it is fatal lack, if if lacking insulin treatment. Okay, so it, it sounds like a, a very urgent problem that, that must be uh, fixed somehow. Uh, but at this stage, there doesn't seem to be a way for that to happen. Uh, so you visited Pyongyang in, in May 2019 as part of a, a delegation. Tell us, uh, please, what you observed there. What we, uh, our intention was to evaluate the diabetes situations in Pyongyang. So we visited the num numerous hospitals which treat or to uh, manage diabetes. So we went to the children's hospital, we went to the uh, eye center and uh, diabetes uh, research and uh, clinical care uh, centers. So those are three. Also, we went to the rehabilitation centers for those people you know, who need to rehab. The facility was very good. I was uh, surprised to see modernized the building. And then some of the equipment was there, for example, fundoscopy to check your diabetes, retinopathy, and mm -hmm. eye disease. But the issue was the, the professionals who know how to use this uh, machine also uh, uh, evaluate the result. So they mm -hmm. were lacking in professionals there in all those hospitals. For example, uh, I went, when I went to the children's hospital, I asked them who is treating or who is diagnosing uh, type 1 diabetes uh, from children. They say, well, GI specialist. I say, GI. Gastrointestinal. Yeah, exactly. Gastrointestinal what? specialist. Uh, yeah, I was shocked. I said, why? They said, well, they are trained for. And I don't believe that. That doesn't sound right. Right. They are trained for GI, not diabetes. Diabetes is metabolism. So, uh, 
So uh, I guess they are kind of uh, try to utilize what's available to yeah. see the patient. Uh, yeah, please tell us a bit more about your, your trip. It sounds fascinating. Well, so uh, first uh, the visit was to see the older facilities and what's lacking. And then one of the hospital that probably the one and the only hospital that we visited to, to take care of diabetes, it was a very nice hospital. Very nice. And they uh, have a section for diabetes research, mm -hmm. section for the clinical care. And they were building another very nice uh, modernized uh, the building, which tells me that you know, the number of diabetes increasing in, uh, in a Pyongyang area. So they are in desperate need of a new hospital to manage diabetes. But it was only skeleton. There was nothing there. You know, the facility was like a five-story building and pretty big size, but it's only concrete. Nothing was there. So they asked us to uh, help them to, uh, to complete the center. And then I agreed with them. If they come to the Busan for international meeting in 2019 and then sending somewhere around 50 delegates from there, oh. then I'll prepare, yeah, prepare to sending all these equipment, whatever they need for the hospital. Uh, by a uh, train, but uh, you know they agreed, but uh, unfortunately, probably they not get permission from the upper level, so they could not attend, and then that's where we hold for the, uh, helping them. Another uh -huh. thing that uh, well, what we did during the visit was I took about a hundred uh, glucometers, which is essential uh, device to check their glucose level every day. Is, is was, that the fingerprint finger prick method? Exactly. Yes, you have a lancet and then you know poke your finger and they get yeah. a drop of blood. There was hardly any of those. Also, insulin, like I, we discussed about it, insulin was completely lacking. Medicine and we, we took a lot of those. And uh, the rehabilitation facility was very nice, very modern. I mean, the pool size warm bath there, and but no, no one was using it. But to to come back to, uh, I mean, it, it's it's great that they have these facilities. But if they don't, ha if they're not producing any insulin and they're unable to import it uh, from China because of you know an unintended consequence of sanctions, uh, I, I would expect that that would be one of the most urgent things. Did the doctors there sort of try to? Uh, what did you ask the doctors why there's no insulin being produced? Yeah, I did, but of course they say facility. They do not have a facility. And then even the uh, pharmaceutical companies to produce the uh, anti-glycemic medicine. I think it's very, very nice if the international world to keep their eyes or to get together to help them to build uh, some of the pharmaceutical company uh, for the manufacturing uh, facilities for insulins and some of these essential medicines for them. Right. Yes, that, that certainly uh, would be nice to see. Uh, so you, you mentioned that um, you invited 50 North Korean medical experts to attend an international conference in Pusan uh, in 2019, uh, but that the visit Correct. did not go ahead. And you assumed that that was because they didn't get permission from their seniors, you know, their uh, supervisors in North Korea. Right, upper level. Right. Or the North Korean government. Uh, do you think that mm -hmm. would the South Korean government have allowed them to come? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we've discussed this uh, uh, with the South Korean government first, and they say, oh, wonderful. We'll provide all the, uh, the fees for, yep. for that trip. And so it was clear in South Korea, but uh, yeah, hmm. in North Korea's case. Uh, well, is it possible to have such a, a meeting in a third country like China or Russia? 
Actually, when I was the regional chair, which is Western Pacific region, I invite them. I met up, invite them like eight times to come to international meetings. Also, a lot of meetings in uh, China. You know, we're still dialoguing to have uh, some of a symposium between South and North Korean uh, diabetologists to in bordering cities between uh, North Korea and uh, in uh, China, so for example, like Yeonbyeon case, right? But it, that's even difficult for them to travel that far. But because of COVID, everything's halted at right. this stage. But we were discussing, yeah, because of COVID, yeah, no, no one is is coming or going. Mm. Uh, but the South right. Korean government is, is still fully in support of of uh, that kind of communication and, and meetings. Yes, yes. Uh, the Minister of Unification is very interested in those kind of meetings as well. So they are supporting us. Uh, is there still a plan for the International Diabetes Federation to provide uh, drugs to North Korea for the treatment of diabetes? Well, it's an international uh, organization, but uh, their interests are in different. They are less interested in humanitarian uh, areas. So uh, I mean, I'm forming a the organization, international organization called International Diabetes Charity Union. Mm-hmm. So around about yeah, 30 to 50 countries already uh, agreed to become a member. And uh, through those organizations, we plan to provide uh, uh, the medicines or the essential equipments for diabetes management for North Korea as well as third uh, world countries. Um, back to uh, healthcare more generally, what is most urgently needed in North Korea in terms of healthcare? Well, definitely in medicine, but not just a focus in infectious disease related medicine. Yes, I know they, they are definitely need more antibiotics yeah. and more medicine for the TBs and so on. But the country is changing. But uh, I'm uh, deeply concerned if that country opens the the, the curtains, iron curtain, definitely the, the non-communicable disease like cardiovascular diseases, cancers, diabetes, all those things will increase. And it's going to impact significantly in their uh, economic because managing the non-infectious diseases are very expensive. You know about it. Those non-communicable diseases, why would their instance increase if North Korea opens itself to the outside world? So, you know, environment is changing, diet's changing. Ah. You know, they're, they're lacking, yeah, they, more people started driving, eating more westernized food, and then, then they're opening more hedges, uh, you know, health hedges uh, uh, stuff, so uh, the, the things. So you could look at all those uh, uh, the underdeveloping countries. Once the country started uh, the become a developed uh, country, you know, the first thing you notice is uh, the non-communicable disease increase. What we call it in a, a technical term, we call the crossover, which means uh, infectious diseases decrease, same time uh, non-infectious disease increase, then the crossover point. Huh. And the crossover point occurred in North Korea, I mean, the South Korea in the 1970s, 70. in Japan, 1916, United States in 1940s. Right. Then everything is in a different direction than in the country need, I mean, huge, amount of budget to looking after the, the managing this non-communicable disease. You know, those Korea's cases, a uh, socialist country, communist country, you know, countries looking after, governments looking after people's health, where they're going to get the money to look after this expensive disease. Right. Uh, is there at the moment an urban-rural divide in access to healthcare? Yes. 
they are in same principle under the managed care, but the rural case, I think their condition is worse, not both in a, a non-communicable disease and communicable disease. So also the access to the medical facility is not there. Right. I observed the, one of the telemedicine centers in the, uh, the children's hospital, but it was sort of a computer. So only about, I don't know whether it is functioning. But in order to have uh, the uh, effective, have, uh, effective uh, telemedicine, you got to have a good facility in and other, other hand, satellite centers. You got to have enough medicine there. You mm. got to have a top quality uh, doctors there, but just computer is not going to help anything. I, I didn't know that North Korea uh, even claimed to have uh, telemedicine. That's very interesting. Yes, but, it was interesting uh, for me to observe as well. But you're saying that it's just a computer terminal without uh, video facilities. Is that right? Right, right. I saw they have a little cameras, but and they have a kind of poster where they're connecting to, but they did not demonstrate it to us when we visited there. So you don't even know if it's actually working. No, it's working right. So, given that that rural and urban divide, can we even say that North Koreans have the same access to healthcare? I do not think so. You know, I think uh, you know, you know, most people uh, knows about the North Korea knows about the people living in Pyongyang is, uh, you know, they have a high privilege of uh, all the uh, access to the medicine and other things. So yeah. I think the medical care is better in uh, Pyongyang, but in other part of the rural area, they have been told there is a clinic. It's like a public health clinics, but, you know, even the public health clinics in South Korea does not, does not have a top quality uh, medical instruments or medicine. So, mm. you know, based on that prognosis, those creates worse. How can South Korea help North Korea to improve its healthcare system? Well, continue uh, the communication and uh, through the NGO rather than government sectors or some of the associations and continue at uh, the communication is probably the way to go. And uh, and we could invite them in a third world meetings uh, to provide what they need instead of which it, I don't think it's better to provide them everything. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on disease and provide what they actually need. Right. And in your opinion, is diabetes one of the high priority diseases that we should focus on? Absolutely. Diabetes is risk factor for every disease. It started from toe to head. Yeah. All related, they relate to the dementia, related skin disease, everything, you know, even mm-hmm. the TB. So if we focus diabetes, I think we'll be able to uh, support them in better ways to manage their uh, diseases in North Korea. Outside the Korean Peninsula, how can the rest of the world help, for example, through the United Nations or World Health Organization or differently? Well, I feel you know, definitely we need to help them. You know, if we help them properly, you're going to see another South Korea in the next 20 years. There's potential in that country. There's a smart people there, mm. hardworking people there, but the resources are lacking. So we need to have us a, a, a we strongly feel that we need to have some gatekeepers, NGO, not government related to it. So bring all those uh, the resources together and uh, go into the same direction. I see so many associations, charity foundations, religious groups, and NGOs, they're going so many different directions. I feel they're wasting their time and money. Yeah, there should be some more coordination. Exactly. And that's the way we should go in the future to help them.
who who should be or you know uh, what organization should be the control tower to uh, coordinate everything probably the red cross might be the good one or uh, you know in, in, you know for example who could form another one you know with their resources all there yeah but there is some leader who need to come forward and bring all this thing together and be more pacific and focus on what the, the, what they are accomplished from this uh, consortiums Right now, the world is is fighting this coronavirus pandemic and has been for the last year. Uh, is there anything that we can extrapolate from what we know about North Korea's medical system, as you have explained it, that might help us to predict how well North Korea would be able to deal with a, a, a real outbreak of COVID-19 within its borders? Well, nobody knows about the situation, but, uh, you know, the, based on what we're hearing from piece by piece, there is some cases there, and people are dying there. So uh, I think the best bet is to provide them vaccines. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure they're getting some vaccines from China, but we all know that we don't know how effective those Chinese vaccines are. Yeah. So even the South Korean government's plan to send them some uh, led to the million uh, doses of vaccines. So those kind of things would help them to not see the, the outbreaks in the future. And for a year, there's been almost no uh, movement across borders in and out of North Korea. And even we're seeing uh, reduced trade because the North Korean government uh, seems to be afraid that even goods and trucks crossing the borders might bring in the virus from outside. What kind of effect do you think that's had on the North Korean health system? Well, that definitely this kind of uh, the policy will I mean, significantly damaging their health systems or health care, the facilities, because, you know, we need to continue to provide them medicine mm-hmm. and equipment and train the, uh, the staffs, but that's not happening. So it's going worse. So, for example, for my case, I'm contacting them by email. And then every now and then I ask them the COVID situation. They say everything is under control. Yeah. You know, you know, email goes in, they check everything. So, uh, right. We don't know, but uh, they are in concern. Do you hope to be able to meet your North Korean colleagues again soon? Yes, we were scheduled to meet them in November of last year in uh, Shanghai, but because of COVID and yeah. everything locked down. So as soon as things uh, start opened up, uh, I plan to visit there again and invite those people in, uh, in uh, China or in every countries to start a dialogue uh, to help them. Good. Well, I wish you uh, every success with that. Do you have any final thoughts to leave us with today, Professor Joe? Like my final thought is that, you know, this is the country, people's living there, even though they have a different uh, the policies. Uh, there is a potential. There is a strong potential to this country to be one of the another South Korea in the uh, next 20, 30 years. So uh, we need to help them definitely. In in offering um, medical care to the North Korean government, uh, should outside organizations and countries also try to get access to, uh, for example, political prisoners in North Korea for health care? Oh, definitely. That might be, you know, if you look at the history, uh, human histories, there's uh, the country with Iron Curtain. The medicine removed Iron Curtain. It's happened to in most countries, you know, uh, based on my experience in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. I went in there in the late 1990s when uh, the, the, the outsiders were allowed. But because of medicine, they allowed me to come in. 
I went in, I spent more than 20 years to help them. So I experienced this. So medicine can be the messenger to release those prisoners, whoever that we need to help. So uh, I think the medicine is the way to go. Okay, that's a very uh, uh, inspirational idea. And I, again, I, I wish you every success with it. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast, Professor John Namhan of Aju University. Uh, and thanks for your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of our podcast today. If you have an NK News account and you're a think tank, business or academic institution, take a look at NK Pro. Our NK Pro platform offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. Inquire about access at membership at nknews.org today. Our thanks, as always, to James Fretwell and Chatter Carroll for facilitating this podcast and to Arias Dare, our producer who cuts out all the extraneous noises, echoes, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Thank you and listen again next time.